For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. If, and it's a real hard if, if you can disassociate yourself from the Joneses because the Joneses are, are effed up in their world more than you have any idea, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think because I was an older parent and my wife is so stable, um, I said, I don't want to buy into that. And she was like, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. Fellas and fathers, how are you? How are you, attempters? Hello, hello. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh, summer is over. It's done. It's gone. The heat isn't over, of course, especially I saw on the news today, the Southwest is just getting blasted with heat still. I'm here in Georgia and it's warm, but it's certainly not like the summer. Labor Day has done its thing. It's marked the end and that can only mean one thing. College football, baby. Yes, of course, NFL as well, but college, that's where my heart is. I don't know about you guys. I'm a big SEC guy. Went to the University of Tennessee. My parents went to Auburn. My grandparents went to Alabama. I was like, it's in my blood. And a lot of big new stuff this year, right? With name, image, likeness, all that stuff. NIL, huh? Huh? Okay, okay. This isn't a sports podcast. Sorry. This is Attempting Fatherhood. And of course, the end of summer also means the beginning of school. How are you guys feeling about that? Did you have any young kids? This was their first year. My daughter's in fourth grade. I have a two and a half year old, Loic, and he goes to like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday mom's day out, which by the way, shouldn't just be called mom's day out. A little beef with that. I think it should be parents day out, but you know what? That's neither here nor there. I'll just say that. I'll leave that right there for you. You know, each morning we do a little bit of motivation to try to get Ellis out the door, but she loves being in school actually. So I love having the schedule. She likes being in school. It's a win-win and that's nice. I'm really someone who needs that. I don't know if you're that way. Go ahead. You can talk to your phone. You can tell your phone if you are or not. Uh, at the end of summer, though, we always like to look back on it. How was your summer? What'd you guys do? We did road trips. Ellis had her first sleepaway camp, which was huge for her. Um, I started doing more car coverage, driving different vehicles and covering them on my Instagram at BHAS. Have a whole series called Does It Dad? In fact, where I drive a car, talk about it from a dad's point of view. Great, it's fast, but, you know, fuel economy, cup holders, comfortable seats. Uh, you know, can I reach, can I hand this thing to my kid or are they too, is it too big? Are they too far back? So anyway, I cover it from that perspective. Also really great news. I'm going to be an ambassador and content creator for the watch brand Citizen. I love these guys. I've had a few of their watches and it comes by me naturally. Like I love what they do. I love the durability. I love the price point. I love their history. Um, I love that they're Japanese. I love that they're vertically integrated, all this kind of stuff. They're not They're not sponsoring this podcast, so I don't have to get into all the details, but I just wanted you guys to know you're going to be seeing more of that, which is great. Also want to bring you guys in on kind of what's going on in my dad life. Specifically, things have been a little bit tough with my two and a half year old. He, uh, I'm facing obstacles I never, I never really dealt with, with Ellis. Not that they were there and I didn't deal with them. It's just Ellis is different, right? You know that each of your kids is different. Um, Loic is absolute passion, pure through and through. And he is hysterical. Oh my gosh. I, I don't laugh harder than when Loic is doing something funny. He's just so hilarious and bizarre and it's awesome. But he's two. And there are certain things, as you may or may not know, that two-year-olds do and they're working on and they're working out. And that can be very frustrating. Additionally, he's very sensitive and impulsive. So we have that coupled with the two-year-old thing, hitting, spitting, etc. And it's been, this summer was tough. It was a tough summer. It was hard for me just to like not take offense and not be mad, instantly go to being frustrated or mad, but like take a break, take a breath. I saw something on Instagram where someone was talking about the value of demonstrating to your kids in those moments 
how to deal with frustration or anger. If you're mad at your kid, instead of just getting mad at them, taking a beat, showing the mature example of that, taking a breath. Okay. All right. Are we ready to deal with this? You know what I mean? So I, I kind of took that as a, as a good idea. So I'm, I'm going to try to implement that kind of moving forward. But there's good news. There is light at the end of the tunnel. He's working so hard at using his words, his gentle hands. Uh, I've seen him calm himself down in situations that before he would not. And that's really sweet to see because we know he's trying and he's working hard. And I owe a lot of that to my wife. She's in fact reading a book called The Explosive Child. I don't know if, if you have a child like this or you've either gone through it or you're going through it or whatever, that book has been really helpful just to reframe what's going on inside them, right? Kind of translating their explosiveness into words that we as adults can understand and be like, oh, that makes sense. He's not mad at me. He's trying to communicate and those words aren't lining up for him. So it's frustration and this comes out. So hit me up. Don't hit me. Don't, that's where we're not hitting people. Uh, send me a message on Instagram at attempting fatherhood is our Instagram page. You know that you're already following us, right? Right? Okay, great, great. All right, on to the show. This week, Chris Meyer. Now, he might be the most interesting guest we've ever had on here. And if you guys have kids in sports at any level, you're going to love later in the chat when he and I dive into that. But here's why he's so interesting. He's an author. His newest book came out this summer called The Book of Moments. You can find that on Amazon. He's also a lawyer, has a master's, is a screenwriter, and yeah, you know what? Just bought a funeral home as a side business. One of the books he wrote is called Four Months and a Lifetime. Uh, and that's not about waiting for his wife to get ready. That is a, a book about coaching his son's basketball team from kindergarten through the eighth grade, following the same group of guys for those nine years and getting to witness so much change firsthand. You know, usually if you coach, you kind of coach at one level and the kids grow up and go on. But he just was like, I want to be involved with my kids' lives. So he just started with them and moved all the way up. And all these other kids did as well. So he talks about how important mentors are, not only in that case, but in his own life, as his dad was a very busy businessman and not around very much and how that involvement from mentors really helped shape his life. My dad was around a good bit, but I can also say that mentors have been very important in my life. I don't know about your experience, but we get into the value of that. Dad's stats. Here we go. He's been married 21 years. He has three sons, 18, 16, 13. Woo, he's in the gamut of testosterone right there. And I love talking to dads who have kids down the line from me and from you as well, potentially, because they bring such insight into the future of, of younger dads or, or dads like myself who have kids, you know, nine and two and a half. But okay, okay, enough. Let's find out how Chris Meyer is attempting fatherhood. So I'm just going to jump into it. We got Chris Myers here. Thank you for coming on to attempting fatherhood. Thank you for Sorry, having Chris me. Sorry, Chris Meyer, really singular, you. not plural. There's not two of you. Singular, Just one yeah, guy. Yeah, singular. Um, and for those who are not watching us on video, which you can, you can watch us on video, but if you're not, you're missing Chris's sweet scarf in Sacramento. Is is this just a statement piece or is this uh, necessitated? You know, it's so funny. My wife said, why the yeah. scarf? And I said, I don't know. It just kind of segued into spring and it's not quite warm enough yet. So I, uh, I'm just rocking it for a while. The scarf is one of those pieces of clothing that is truly the missing link from so many people's wardrobe. And it's so powerful. I can have a scarf. I get a lot of compliments. I don't know if it's uh, it's actually sarcasm from most of my friends, but my friend came up to me uh, the other night we went out and he pulled me aside and he said, I just love the way you rock the scarf all the time. <laughs> that does sound almost like <laughs> I think he was no one else yeah. likes it, but you've got the balls to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably what it is, yeah, right? And, or maybe just no care in yeah. the world anymore when you just Yeah, just days. like he looks around and he's like, you did it. You've given yeah. up on life, Whatever. haven't you? Congrats. Yeah. How did you do it? How did you get to the point where you don't care how you look? Tell me how you yeah. got there. <laughs> My wife will tell you, it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, I think you just hit that age and you're like, this you is know, it. This is me. I'm not it. going anywhere else. Yeah, this me. is the, this is who the I plateau yeah. of life. But I think, look, I think the scarf looks great. And when I lived in New York, we were there a couple years, loved it. We were in Brooklyn um, and, and I get to travel a good bit as a host. And I always bring a scarf because I've had yeah. huge jackets and gloves and hats and still been cold. Throw a scarf on. I don't know, man. I'm sure there's science behind it, but when my neck is warm, I can make it happen. That's the turtleneck I, is is <laughs> in this vein of staying. The turtleneck warm. is there too. Do you too. wear a turtleneck? You're, you're, Do you turtleneck? You're reading my language. I'm all about uh, the turtleneck. So good. 
it's oh, built it's in so especially a warm yes, one yeah. it's right there already yeah. you don't have to bring anything extra no, no i'm with the, you 100%. the turtleneck is is the hooded jacket of of the shirt world of yesteryear it's, yeah it's like exactly. this this is already attached and if you get hot just pull it right. down you look like a monk it's it's great yeah. well you know what that's good that that whole conversation was the first thing i wanted to tell you <laughs> glad we got that <laughs> exactly. out of the way yeah. Um, well, I uh, I looked over, so I, I was sent a press release from your lit agent who oh, said, wow. hey, check okay. it out. This guy's written some books about dad life, and I think he'd be a good fit for the show. And I looked it over and was like, this guy would be a great fit. So um, I'm so glad to have met you now in person. Um, and bring me up to speed a little bit on uh, what you've written in terms of, of what you've been working on, especially your new book. And then we'll get into kind of some dad yeah. stats and start talking about dad life and that kind of thing. That sounds great. Yeah. So I've written, um, I've actually written a total of five books, three of which have been released. Um, and I'm obviously a self-published guy. Um, the first one was, I told you I was a screenwriter <laughs> and, um, you know, the, 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 the going back to the story, the catalyst was my wife and I got pregnant in Los Angeles with our first son. And when he was born, you know, looking at him as a father for the first time, which I was a little bit later in life, I was around 35. And looking at this little man, I was like, you know, okay, big boy, it's time to wake up. And so that was sort of the, the catalyst for me. I had put off. I had the, you know, Peter Pan syndrome. I really had taken my time. I went, uh, went to law school, made a low budget film in New York city and then loaded it up. And my parents, of course, very proud of me after paying for law school Congratulations. And, and a master's yep. degree to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm peace out. I'm going to Los Angeles. So did that. And, um, when I had my son, it, like I told you, it was really this wake up call, this sort of this Renaissance in me and saying, okay, it's time to start life. And albeit a little bit later for me. And, um, lo and behold, my wife's fa family had a mortician who had always been saying, this is a great business, the funeral home industry. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, it really was my best option. I was an attorney. I knew I didn't want to do that because of the hours that I knew I was going to have to commit. And I was so in love with this little boy that I was like, let's go for it. And we, we got lucky, found a, a funeral home teetering uh, on in bankruptcy and bought it, turned it around. And again, that was sort of the, the first starting, the first kind of wake up call. And the, the first book came out of that sort of seven year period when I was meeting with families and starting to hear the same stories over and over again of these surviving mm -hmm. Um, of the surviving members about, uh, I, I'm going to step back because I think it was my fatherhood and the confluence with my first, you know, this, this gig okay. in the funeral industry was life changing because again, I had a young yep. one and I was seeing death every uh. day and then hearing these people's stories. And for me, I, I that was really the, this massive catalyst because uh, I knew I wanted to be a dad, and these people were all telling me, hey, man, your children are young once. Go. Mm -hmm. Get out of mm -hmm. here at, at 5 o'clock every day. Do your thing. Go to everything. And so I, took, I really took heed to, the, to those, uh, those messages, and I think it was a very unique situation having one son, and then I, we had our second one while I was here, and then a third one. And I think it was very, very unique because I had this death <laughs> yeah. reminder every yeah. day on one side and this budding family on the other. So I thought that was a really cool thing to write a book about, more so to remind people just generally, look at man, life mm. is short. Uh, take the time, go with your family. And again, it wasn't really me. It was the people yeah, telling yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you were kind of a mouthpiece a for all these experiences coming in. You're just flipping right. it back out. And the third book was all about my coaching my middle son and his friends uh, basketball from kindergarten to eighth grade. And uh, it was a special, unique group of kids who were all buying into basketball as their their true love. And we had a very small uh, parochial school team that then went out and played AAU. And, you know, we started playing bigger tournaments and. And we were just a real cohesive unit 
Um, but it was really a, a great dad story. I always tell people I'm not really much of a coach, but I, I want to be a good dad oh, man. and I want it to be present. I love so that. that. Those are sort of the three books that uh, have come well, out. Well, I, I, I think it's also really unique too, because, uh, you know, a lot of people have experiences in, in their life that they would say, oh, this is really interesting or whatever, but you, you're so uniquely positioned to be able to articulate that as a writer and a dad who's being able to to express that. Um, I actually, it's so funny, there's a lot of overlap there. We were both talking about being in LA. Also, one of my good friends, uh, he his family owns uh, a few uh, funeral homes and he and his oh, brother no have taken over the business. Rose Mortuary, shout out to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um not yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then also along those same lines of like feeling like a, an outsider in the L.A. bubble from a, from just like, man, it's just so hard to crack that to get in there, even oh, with yeah. reps, even with time, even with whatever. Right. Um, and, and so that can feel so deflating. And then also kind of looking at where your life is now. OK, I have kids like the reality is, you know, L.A. is always going to be there. Hollywood's always going to be there. My kids won't. So uh, there has to be some kind of pivot in that. And then I love the concept of like sticking with these guys for so long because it's the same, it was the same guys. It wasn't just like you were like coaching this team and like people will come and go and you move here. That's amazing. The, the longevity of that, that you would have seen um, and, and to come together. I mean, that as a screenwriter, you got to be thinking you're going to adapt that because that's like such a great, you know, Hoosiers meets like, like uh, there was a, the White Shadow. Yeah, ooh, remember? yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the yes, White Shadow? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's exactly, I mean, obviously I would love all of these to become adapted. Uh, certainly two of them are very cinematic yeah. in there. But you're exactly right. It was so unique because typically a coach will see the same grade over and over again or the same age group, right? But I, I know I'm not a coach and I just wanted to be with my son and his Amazing. friends. And we had a couple dads who were similar. And then, you know, everyone has responsibilities that they fade off. And But this one unique core, about seven, seven boys, really went through this school together. And it's just such... You know, again, they don't think it's cool, so cool right. yet, but I know 10 years from now, they're going to look back and read it and go, oh my Hugely. God, this is awesome. Yes. Can you imagine? Because I know I felt that way and I felt that way. My father was not that guy. My father was a businessman. Um, he was unapologetic about it. But I tell you this, I never had any kind of animosity mm. for that because I could see the joy in my father's face when he would talk about mm. work and what that did for him. And I had men in my life uh, in my small town of Pleasantville, New York, if you can believe that, that took the time and were, you know, would change in the car and then come out and show us fundamentals of the game for a couple hours a week. And I just knew inherently how to respect those people, wow. right? Because I could see them. I could see them, you know, changing into the T-shirt quickly and coming out and just hammering with us. And I just, I had such a great experience with a couple of guys, uh, fathers, yep. again, of younger kids or older kids my age, that just took the time. And I just knew to respect them. And uh, again, looking back at it, um, when I went away to college, I actively sought out those wow. men to go back and, and knock on their door and say, hey, man, I just want to say wow. thank you. You know, I appreciate it, what you did. And, and I know what, what it meant to them, the world that it meant to them. They told me to my face, you know, uh, just think about it, man. You just came back out of the yeah. blue. Wow. And said, made their you. year. I can't tell you how much that means yeah, to me. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I, I hope I'm one of those dads eventually, yeah. you know, uh, I think I will be. And I just, I just love doing it. I love it. It, it was just, That's so funny. Well, I, one of the questions I like to ask my dad, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, was kind of like in, in growing up, what was it from your kind of origin, you know, family origin that, that dad did that you loved that you're like, you know, I'm doing that part in my, in my family, in my parenting. And then something that you're kind of leaving out. It sounds like your dad was really busy uh, and wasn't able to be involved, yeah. but, but what is something maybe yeah. that you were like totally on fire about? Like, that's such a cool yeah, thing. So he was busy, you know, he was definitely a worker. He did his thing. But what I really loved is that, you know, there was a, always a time that, you know, Friday afternoon, we'd all get in the car, we'd get drive up to Vermont and we would ski on the weekends. Uh, and that was his yeah. love and my mom's love. And he always made time for that. And he, oh, we always had, we always had special 
whether it was holidays, you know, weekends, all that. He carved out time for us. We knew he was present. He would come to a game that was special. It's not like he was, you know, a stay away father. But I think the greatest thing is I saw the joy that he had for his vocation. And I think that was profound for me, even as a young man, to understand that and, you know, strive for mm-hmm. that, right? I want to, I want to, I want to feel that way. You know, you could see it in my, my dad, and I admired that greatly. And I think the only thing I would really leave out is he traveled some. I'm not a traveler. I consciously made that decision early on that that is not a vocation that I would choose for me. Just It, it just wasn't part of my makeup. And I was um, I wanted to be there for the children. And my, my kid's school is down the street. Yeah. And I'm at everything, probably a little bit annoying <laughs> on campus. Here comes but, Chris uh, again. Wanted, yeah, oh, exactly. In his shorts and his uh, ripped t With his scarf. Um, He's playing no. ball in a yeah. scarf. I don't get it. <laughs> With that damn He's scarf. He's done it. <laughs> no. But that was it. You know, I think those things. My, I have a great relationship with my parents. Luckily, God bless them. They're 82 years old and very Amazing. healthy. And uh, have a great relationship now with both. Do you feel like you've kind of gotten to that as far as joy in your occupation? Because screenwriting is hard. I mean, that is like, it is hard to find joy out, you know, depending on how you define it. Just much like an actor or a host, it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, I just want to be credited and and have an opportunity and like sell this thing or act in this thing. So that can be tough. I definitely felt that way when I was in LA. I was dying to be credited, like you say, and be validated, so to speak, by a greater cosmos than my agent or (laughs) my manager. But once I got out of that, I really, when I went into the funeral business, I had no intention of writing books. I had no, I I put writing away for eight eight years. In terms of your kids, you know, coming from your dad, was there a, like, even as a kid, you were like, I can't wait to be a dad. I know you said you waited till like 35. There's kind of the Peter Pan thing. Or, you know, was it like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Dad life is so great. I'm so glad. Or I've always waited for this. How did that relate to you? I think I, 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 did, I, I knew I would always want to be a dad. And I always knew that um, um, it would be fun and I would be very active. But at the same time, it, there was a scary part about it. And I think a scary part about marriage. Mm-hmm. And again, then being in Los Angeles and, you know, uh, you've been there a little bit. There's a lot of beauty and oh, yeah. a lot of... Uh, surface stuff and a very difficult, like you said, very difficult time getting in. I, you know, the rejection and the telling you wrong and who do you listen to? Um, there was a ton of that. So I think all of that played in it for me to kind of push it off, push it off, push it off. And uh, then, it, you know, at some point you're like, you know, oh my God, uh, you know, I don't want to be a 50 on? year old <laughs> diapering a baby. Right, yeah. right. I, that, I knew that wasn't attractive. I saw plenty of that. Yes, in Los yes. I was going to say 35 is actually attractive. a young dad in LA. That is retirement age in Tennessee where I grew up. Yeah. 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 Um, so, what, what were your fears? You, you're talking about kind of fears, just like, I think the fears are always settling money. down. Okay. Okay. Yeah, settling down, money, how are you going to make money? How am I going to afford yeah. this? What am I going to do? Am I going to really like yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. And then, the, like the, the, you know, it's funny because I have a nephew who works with us, and he's going through it right now, and he's just like, how am I going to afford a house and raise a child? And I'm like, How old is he? I know. I've been yeah. there. And we all feel that yeah. way. And you know what? It ends up working out. But- you got to take that first step, right? Mm. You can't just sit there and wallow in it. You got to take that first yeah. step. And, you know, it's a, what is that great Christmas claymation one, put one foot in front of the other. It's so simple, yeah. right? It's so simple, but you got to get out of, get out of the rut by taking that step, yeah. right? And I think that's as a young man or an early father, those are all good good pieces of advice. Just take that mm. step. It's not always going to be the right one, but you're going to pivot, like you said earlier, from that. You'll learn. You're going to fail. There's going to be plenty of failure. 100%. I love failure. I tell my kids that all the time. Fail because you're yeah, trying. That's good. Right? And then uh, you'll figure it out. Right? We all do. Yeah, I like that. Um, from, yeah. the, from the basketball days, are there any uh, great stories of of dad life there. You know, one one dad I spoke with, 
he talked about taking his kids to the skate park and he was like, I wanted to make sure I was that guy driving the car because I would hear the kids talking in the background. I could hear my friend, my kids' friends, how they related to each other, what was going on in their lives. They weren't telling me, but simply because I was right. present in that, I got to learn right. and glean and, and be part of inside jokes and stuff like that. But I, I feel like I you mean, must have that. That, and, and he, he, hit, he hit it on the head. That's, I, for me, it's being present, right? And my wife and I have always said, look it, we want to be that house. And so we have a pantry that you, it looks like Costco, <laughs> a business Costco when you walk in and a refrigerator filled with drinks that, you know, kids' parents don't usually let Great. them have. And I say to her, that is the best expense we could ever do to be comfortable, to let them walk in. And, and you should see kids in my house. They just roll yeah. into my pantry. Tossing their shoes and like, hey, off. They're already doing? on the couch. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So I, but I love that because I remember in my childhood having those houses and you just gravitated yeah. toward them, right? And they were, you hear so much. And I think there also becomes in coaching, you know, after a while, the kids, they treat you like, you know, another dad. Right. And it's like, hey, coach, what's up? And, I, you know, they talk, they're more relaxed. And I love that. And you hear, you hear so much, but also it's, um, it's a level of comfort for them. And I want the children to be comfortable. Mm. I want them to have that. Uh, if they had a problem, I think they would come to me. And I think as you know, I have a 18 year old, I have a 15 year old, almost 16 and a 12 year old. And I think all of their friends feel that way. I think they would. Um, certainly not, maybe not now, but I know in five to 10 years, they know my door is always open. And I want that. I really want yeah. that. Um, because it's, it's great to have a mentor or a friend who is not your yeah, friend. Yeah. Oh, you know totally. That, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, sometimes it, there's a safer, the coach might be a little bit safer to talk yeah. to about Yeah. That. Even I felt that way with teachers. Oh, also. that's good. Yeah. Yeah, at college, yeah. right? I had a couple teachers that were just totally chill and opened their office to me. And, you know, you could talk about stuff that wasn't, you know, history 404. Um, and I, I appreciated that. Do you ever get pushback from other parents that are insulted? Like, well, why wouldn't he tell me that? I mean, that, yeah. I, mean I think, you know, even if you're a great parent, yeah. you're doing your thing, there's still that relationship. Yeah. Right, right. And I, yes, the answer is yes. But also the answer is you know, out here in California, I'm sure it's very similar in a lot of parts of the country. Things have gotten so exponentially competitive and um, the grades in which that competition has happened is lower and lower. You know, you start, I start to see in sort of sixth, seventh grade kids splintering off. They're not as excited about the the idea of team. I'm an mm, old school, interesting. you know, bounce pass, layup, Hoosiers yeah, kind of yeah. guy. And now they're like, well, we got to play in high school coach. So we're playing over on this team and four other teams. And it starts to become. It's uh, very individual. The, the idea, it becomes more that's individual. And that's very, you know, as a guy like me, who's an old softy, who all he cares about is yeah. the team from kindergarten on to see that. I know it's coming, yeah. um, but it's really difficult. That's hard to see. For that's me. fascinating. And, and I'm experiencing it. Yeah experiencing it a lot more and more and you know people individual shooting coaches and hitting coaches and and you know foul shooting coaches and oh my wow. god after a while this is a whole new what world a whole for me. industry yeah oh, because really? my son is two he's adopted we we he's two and i think he's napping <laughs> he was fighting yeah. it pretty hard for almost an hour he has little uh, conference calls that it's mo more of a monologue. He just, everything that happened that day, he's, he's remembering. It's a journal, journaling time. But anyway, um, and then I have a, uh, an almost nine-year-old daughter who loves to be active, but was never really a sports person. She's, she's following yep. in her mother's footsteps of singing and theater. And then she'll go hiking with me and stuff like that. But softball, soccer, none of that was really on our radar, though I grew up playing sports. So what you're talking about is this kind of new evolution that a lot of our listeners have kids who are in, in the similar ballpark as you. And I've got friends who've have kids in high school and stuff, but this is a whole new world for me. So that's interesting. You're bringing all this up. Yeah, it's it is interesting, and again, it's it's uh, it's a real tough buy-in, especially with the kids who are 
you you know the better of the yeah. athletes the extreme good athletes i have a core that is my role players who will buy in forever um but it's usually the kids that can excel they start to say you know peace out um you know and they're playing three different sports at the same time um but you know again i i don't have i always I, I i joke in the book I have rec league kids because they had a rec league father, right? <laughs> I wasn't a supreme athlete, so I enjoyed yeah. it. I loved it. I want. I craved it. I craved the competition, but I never was a D one athlete. Yeah. Um, and I knew and that. did you did you and your wife kind of go into because a lot of my friends also who have kids who play sports have to be really proactive about saying, okay, we're doing one sport this year or, you know, we're doing two, or is it just like fire hose, whatever you can get into, let's do it. How did you approach that with them? And then with your wife as well? We've always had seasonally, there is some tension in our household about what they should and should not do Um, because she's really, you know, I, I contribute when I can, but she's really the, the, she calls it a bus driver. She's like, Chris, if you only saw where I go all day, you're like, I see an empty fuel tank. That's what I see. Yeah. It's maddening. Oh, so I think we try to limit it in our household. Um, we don't. We're not in traveling teams. We. Th- this is another phenomenon. People going to Las Vegas from yes. Sacramento. I know Los a little Angeles. bit of that from baseball in high school. There was a travel teams that these guys would play on, and it was next level. My parents were like, "Don't even think about that." Yeah, I. That's exactly where we're at, and we said, you know, we'll go twenty minutes up yep. the road, play AAU, but. I don't want to go to Oregon for the weekend and, you know, leave my other family home and go with, you know, it's just too It's much. hard. You have to draw. I, I imagine yeah. that's a tough thing as a parent because you want to see your kids succeed. You want to enable that success, but then also brings up the question of how do you define success? Because are we talking success right. is simply strictly sports or is it emotional IQ or, you know, like how do you right. figure that out? So th- this is all I'm looking into my future here. So I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah, no, it is. And and you should because it's, you know, the the famous thing that we all know is keeping up with the sure. Joneses, right? And I think once, especially when you're in suburbia, it's like, well, Jimmy's doing it. So why shouldn't we do it? And I think. If, and it's a real hard if, if you can disassociate mm. yourself from the Joneses because the Joneses are, are effed <laughs> up in their world more than you have any idea. Oh, that's idea. such good truth. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think because I was an older parent and my wife is so stable, um, I said, I don't want to buy into that. And she was like, I'm 100% that's with so good. you. And we just, we, we stayed rec. Yeah, when I yeah. say recreation competitive but not crazy um and i think that was good for our family now again i see tons of other families and it works i can tell you a thousand and one stories of heartbreak where i know the kid was a rock star i played soccer against him he was in our class he he dropped like 10 goals on us and my son was a really good soccer player and he would be going everywhere in this is like in third grade As God is my witness, by fifth grade, his father was calling me and say, can he play on the rec team with you? Because he's he's just fried. He he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I'm like, of course you want Messi on my (laughs) rec team. Bring him. Let's go. Does he have a couple of friends? That's so funny. (laughs) But but there are stories like that. And again, look, there's tons of success stories, I'm sure. But um, those those ones have more resonance with me because I'm like, yeah, yeah I, you know, you're on the front lines I with know you it. Played soccer at Berkeley, but maybe your kid. Yeah, won't, you know? yeah, right. And then, and then, what was all that for? And if there is value in it, if you can for? find the value in it, then great. I mean, we kind of talk about this, my wife and I, in, in terms of art or writing or you know shooting videos, this kind of stuff. You know, if the tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, if the art is created and no one applauds it, do you still find value in it? And I think you know, if you're traveling around and whatever, and you're utilizing that as a way, who knows? Was like let's go see some historical sites and let's get closer as a family but if it's because the pressure is on like hey kid here's more pressure on your shoulders that right. that can be like a, a success nightmare so you you that's a again i think it's profound what you just said because uh it resonates with me because i had a book club believe it or not come to the funeral home and talk about one of my cool. books right and one of the women uh, she stood up and she said, Chris, 
tell me, be honest with me. Is this a lucrative deal? And I said, are you freaking kidding me? I'm losing money every time I write a book, but that's not why Mm. I do it. And I got to be honest with you. I could not have said that as a 37, 35 year old screenwriter. And now, you know, in my fifties, I'm writing because I'm going to leave a legacy. Mm. These books are going to be for my boys when they feel like reading them. They still haven't read them, but I know there's goodness in those books and they're going to read them and they're going to know how much their father loved them. And that is why I'm doing it. And that is why I write. So when you say, if I create the art and that, you know, it falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? That for me is it. I'm, I'm doing it for me. I, I'm not a golfer. So this is my golf. I write books and it's fun as hell. And I write what I want when I want. No one's telling me, Hey, Life in 20 Lessons was awesome. Can you write more Life in 20 Lessons? Well, no, I don't want to write that. You know? There's 20. That's all there is. There's only Am- 20. There's 20. Well, it's funny. I read a review on Amazon. The lady goes, yeah, it's called Life in 20 Lessons. He probably should have stopped at 10, <laughs> but I gave it five stars. You're asking me why did I give it five stars? Because the first 10 were so damn good. <laughs> and I was well, like, yeah, it. raise the Part room. one, part two. And now it's a series. <laughs> right, there we go. Right. right. Oh man, yeah. that's, I mean, that's what you'd get at a traditional publisher, yeah, sure, you know? Sure. I mean, that's cool. Now, do you have any fun stories from, from, uh, coaching your son and these kids, anything that's just a, like, when you think about that, like, oh my gosh, this one time such and such happened, well, you know, you know what it is. I mean, I'll give it a, a blanket thing. Fathers cheat. <laughs> <laughs> they just cheat. They're a bunch of competitive cheaters. And That's so good. I think it's hilarious to witness. You know, I remember being uh, in an AEU tournament, as crazy as it sounds, when we we're like fourth yeah. graders. And, you know, yeah. we were, you know, we were eight kids from a little parochial school all in the same class. And, you know, uh, we would go up there and we would work people, right? Because we were just, they, they just followed everything to a T. And after a while, you started getting a reputation. So we would play these kids from, you know, uh, tougher places, cities and stuff like that. And they would bring girls, but they were like eighth grade girls. <laughs> and they would have them on the team. And these Here's girls were like dropping 20, 25 yeah, on us. Uh, yeah. I it looks like God. the year's like, been scratched out here, sir. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. Like the girl had more of a mustache than my kids, you know? And I was like, I was like, what are we doing, guys? And he's like, oh, man, I just needed to complete a team. And I'm like... You got four kids on the bench there. Why does the girl have yeah, to play? That is so, so funny. Stuff like, I mean, stories like that are rampant. I, rampant I think that happens too when, and this is a conscious thing as a, as a parent, disassociating uh, how you're perceived, your own success, your own whatever, from what your kids have done. You know, like growing up, it was, you're a Hazemeyer, and when you leave this house, you're a Hazemeyer, and you will be respectful. And yes, there's value in that. But when you push that further, if the kid gets in trouble, the parent feels like I'm in trouble instead of that being like, oh, if you failed, I'm a failure. Uh, And that's tough. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm as guilty as the next guy. I'm way too competitive. I'm the guy that's I'm a loud mouth on the sidelines. I'm I'm chirping. You know, I may or may not have gotten a T once in a while. Um, (laughs) But it's very difficult. You're exactly right, because especially if you've played sports in your life, you know, this is this is a little tinge of the glory days still. Right. I am the coach of these guys. So I am not perfect. I want to be very clear about that. I think there is um, a lot of blurring of the lines. And it's very, very difficult if, especially I think if you have played in the past and you have that competitive nature, I, I bring that same nature to business. I, I, I'm like that in business too. Um, and I don't think it's great all the time. Um, and I recognize that. And I think I've mellowed over the years. You know, my 18 year old will tell stories uh, of me that my my 12 year old's like, whoa, boy, didn't know know that. Yeah, Um, that there's been some growth in those years, hopefully. Yeah, (laughs) let's hope. I I think a little bit. Some people might argue a little less, but uh, yeah. 
Yeah, we strive for that. That's funny. Is there any thought of like kids going into the family business? Is this a six feet under type of situation? You know, I I think it will be, it it is a solid business and it will be here, you know, in perpetuity. And if they would choose that, but I, you know, again, my father was so great about this and my mom too. I have an amazing mother um, to kind of go find your joy Mm -hmm. and to kind of, um, not steer. I think education in our family was a big deal because I come from both sets of grandparents being immigrants coming over on a boat to um, America from Germany. Um, And so I think education was hammered uh, in our household because my grandparents were not educated. And my mom went to uh, like a two-year business college. So it was ingrained in them like, oh, if you get them educated. And it's funny because now, um, again, in my 50s, I think I don't think much of education. I don't think much of formal education. And I know that might be a little bit controversial, but I'm of the Gary V school. I want people who have lived a Mm -hmm. little who have, you know, who, who find what they want to do and start early because college, I mean, I, I, I don't know what your experience like, but mine was a hell of a lot of, you know, light beer and uh, beer bongs, you know? Yep. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I, I'm just not a, a big formal education. This, guy. And this is a, con- Although I have yeah, it, th- this is a conversation know? that comes up quite a bit with my friends who have older kids. Cause I'm from the South So, you know, by the time I was getting married at 30, people thought it was my retirement party, not my wedding. And so, you know, they had already had plenty of kids and done their thing. Um, And and we talk about this with my daughter and my son as well, just the value of of that, you know, element of education. And, And certainly, right, there's there's I don't think there is the answer. I think there's different schools of thought. And I think that at least it's good that we're asking the questions. I, I think it's huge that we're asking the question, and I think we're at least, you know, you probably know with all of your children how different they are, right? That's the other thing about parenting. You, you, that to me is probably the greatest nugget to, to leave dads is to say, dude, first of all, the minute you think you have it figured out, there'll be a right turn coming up tomorrow. And then every child is so unique. At least mine are so different that I find myself parenting differently, right? That's the other thing. You have to be this malleable creature to be like, I can push this button on this guy, but not here. Don't do it here. You know, that's the other great thing. They're all so unique. So I think also education wise, I just don't want to see people getting in yeah. debt. Like I, I don't, I'm not about yep. that. I don't think there's any piece of paper at the end of the golden rainbow yeah. that you can walk across the stage that they can give you that is yeah. worth, you know, $300,000 in debt. I yeah. just, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just don't. Yeah. I just don't. And again, I'm a hyper-educated, you know, master's law degree, you know, yeah. I got yeah, it Yeah, that's all. true. And maybe that gives me the comfort, but if I could echo anything backwards, it would be like, don't freaking do it. You <laughs> to know? yourself, you would say you that? Know? Well, he, and I say that again, and now I'm smacking myself because my legal education definitely gave me street cred in my own brain um, to know that when someone's jacking with me or someone, you know, so I think there was value there. I, I kind of ultimately knew that I didn't want to be an attorney because I didn't want to be some in the middle of someone's mess all the time. I have my own mess, which is great. Um, but um, so there is value. I do see that. Yes. But I, it's the yep. debt that I, I it's just crazy. I can't see It's it. crazy. I, I yeah. totally agree. And I think there's, you know, I, I think at least opening the conversation of maybe for one child, but not the other child, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a, it's a two year, you know, kind of thing. When I, li- I lived in Australia for a semester, I did a, a semester abroad. And when I was there, I realized, you know, I was fairly sheltered just from the standpoint of like, you know, fairly, you know, awesome childhood, Knoxville, Tennessee, you know, mostly surrounded by people that look like me and, and all this, I had no real kind of global perspective and moved to Australia for a semester. And, you know, people are talking about gap years and studying, you know, they're going to go hike for a year in Europe. And I'm like, why would you do that? You're wasting time. You should get get right to your degree. Some people are like, oh yeah, I'm not in a vocation. You know, I'm I'm taking vocational track. And I'm like, 
that sounds like a sellout. Like, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your life being so hard that you have to go study vocational. Because all of that was pumped into me. That had to be a four-year degree. It had to be this way. And then when you realize it doesn't, you're like, whoa, hold up. Maybe that is your answer, but at least look around. I think that's, again, keeping up with the Joneses. We're all told. You said it. You just said the, the magic word to me. And it, I know it because it was in my brain. What? You're going to take a gap year? You can't waste that year. Think about think about the waste ridiculousness that of that year. statement. Yeah, exactly. When you're 21 years old, you don't want to waste that year. <laughs> what better time exactly. to waste a year the than 21, 21 years so old, true. right? Yes. I mean... Looking back on it, you're like, shit, are you kidding That's me? That's the best time That's to do it. That's the best time to waste yes, a year. Don't do it at 30 you know? when you just had kids. You can't take a gap year then. Hey. Although we'd <laughs> like to. to. <laughs> I'm at 50 plus and I'm like, can I get a gap year? Be, I'm it's, in. It's for my own uh, upbringing, guys. <laughs> just my well-being. I promise you it's going to yeah. work out. I just, I'm going to go to Europe. I want to step off the habit trail. a year. <laughs> Let me have a year. I could be better. I know it. I'll just take two nights at a Holiday Inn down the street, actually. <laughs> would, would work out at this point. I don't I need a gap year. I love it. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, that's such an interesting, an, an interesting thing. And that's part of why I love this podcast, which is this, this opportunity to, I love that you said kind of like yell backwards. I get to look forwards and I get to yell backwards and I get to usher people like yourself into the conversation to speak to these dads who are all right. over the place. Right. And they need to know that they need to know, look at, there's tons of books out there about how to be the dad or do this or that. But the, you have to, it's insane. It really is insanity to be a dad. The, the lack of sleep, the stuff coming at you, trying to keep a profession alive, trying to keep a marriage yeah. alive. Yeah. You know, there's so much. And to some extent, you really just got to, you know, like, like the horses in Central yeah. Park, you just got to put those things on and just keep moving forward, yeah. right? Just put that foot in front because... That too will be over. But then here's the crazier thing. When it's over, you're like, shit, I missed, I missed the, you know, this yep. stage. And I missed when he vomited in my yeah. face and we laughed. And you know People it, say that, and I do my best to believe it I, and my best to try to, I know you to, don't to, right now. <laughs> to savor these moments of like, you know, my son is is my I tell I tell people he he punches as hard as he hugs. He is an absolute passionate, emotional man, and I love everything about it. And when he throws something across the room, I'm like, there will be a day. I'm told there will be a day when I miss this. This is not that day. Uh, but I, right, I'm right, trying right, my best today. to stay in that. Yeah, or when he's wide awake at 3.30 yes. and you're like, I have a meeting Exactly, tomorrow exactly. <laughs> so that's that's really powerful. I love that. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things, too, where you know, I, I've been able to have dads, you know, kind of confess to me that they felt like they were alone. I was alone in my struggle with this. I was alone in feeling like I'm a bad dad. I was alone in feeling that, um, you know, that uh, I've messed up my kids or I'm not involved enough or I'm too involved. And so that's part of the whole point of this too, which is just to say like, you're not alone. And, and you reference the dad books and I'm not going to read that dad book. I don't care what it is. And most right. of the other dads I speak with are like, I just, I just want to get in it and let's see how it goes. And so, um, yeah. So I I think I, so I think your podcast and podcasts like yours are a massive value because you can flip it on and you can hear guys like you and me who have been through it or are going through it. And I think that has even more value than a book because it's, it's real people and you can hear their voices. And you said a very telling thing to me that is personal to me. You said, I feel alone. And I think there is, um, that is a very natural feeling to feel alone. I think there is a lot of anxiety. You know, the mental health aspect of being a father is very difficult. And it, it is really, really important to have a friend, a confidant, a mother, a father. For me, I was, I'm totally blessed. I have a best friend from high school, uh, from college, excuse me, law school, who, who was being a parent when I was being a parent. And we, uh, it, it's not normal. I understand that, but we talk probably five times a week, multiple times a day at times. He's in Maine and I'm here, but for me to have him, I always tell him and I tell him to his face, you know, obviously how much I love him, but that our friendship 
has given me the ability to not have to go to a therapist because I think therapists are, therapists are great. There's no, you know, there's no stigma anymore yeah. with going to anyone to talk to. Please, everyone realize yeah. that. That is the most important thing. For me, I got lucky that my friend was my therapist and I, I to him also. So there's that two-way street. But I know if any time I was down, and I was down a lot, that I could pick up the phone call and talk to him and, and things got better. And if you can have that in your life, I think it's important. And again, it doesn't have to be a friend. It could be, you know, your wife. It could be your mom, dad. I, for me, it would work good that he was somewhat objective, but yet still in the Chris Meyer camp of, you know, party on. You know, they, I had the respect of a lot of my friends who were nine to five guys because I was doing what I loved in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Like, You're going to do it, man. Man. You're going to yeah. do it. I believe in you. Keep at it. You're going to sell something, you know? And I, I that to me was yeah. everything because, you know, when you're, it's Thursday afternoon at two o'clock and you feel like crap and to pick up the phone and, and him to say, dude, just put the grind yeah. on, put yeah. it down and keep yeah. going. You know, that, that meant everything to me. I think that's so, huge. Yeah, you can't be alone. No, that's huge. And and that's, you know, usually as I wrap up, I ask my dads for some dad advice and you just preempted it. Just boom, there it was. Yeah. Because that's so powerful. So. Community. You have to have it. If if it's uh, one person or if it's a group or if it's this podcast or, you know, whatever, find that group. And you have to be proactive. I think I think it you're you better than even better than the singular person is community like you talked about. That's a great word because it's a it's really a word from yesteryear when it really meant something back in our day or at least in my day growing up in a small town, there was a sense of community, right? We did ride our bikes in the July 4th parade, right? <laughs> and we did play dad's club and rec leagues and we had summer picnics and we went to church for the ice cream yeah. socials. There, There is that sense of community. And and there are times when I look back, especially on my childhood and my church, oh, I went to church every yeah. Sunday. You know what? That was one of the most powerful things in retrospect. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, I hated of course, it doing that. Of course. But the sense of community that it gave me, different from my school and different from my friends, yeah. life-changing. Yeah. Irreplaceable. Life yeah. Irreplaceable. Yeah, I love that. Irreplaceable. Yeah. Well, Chris, you are irreplaceable. Thank you <laughs> for coming on here. Thank you for attempting fatherhood. Yeah. Wow. And it's an attempt. Dude, you're doing it. Growing every day, learning every day, guys. Keep at it. I love that. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and, and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.